Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of No Script, No Problem here on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm your host, Steve Berkowitz. We've got a great show for you today. I'm talking about the movie On Sacred Ground, which is in theaters and on demand today. I've got the two directors of the film, Rebecca and Josh Tickell, and the star of the movie, William Maypother, on the show. We're going to be talking to them all about this incredible movie, On Sacred Ground is based on the true events surrounding the 2016 construction of the Dakota Access Pipeline that runs through the Standing Rock Native American Reservation and all of the protests and the violence that surround that event. The film follows Daniel, a journalist and military veteran played by William Maypother, and Elliot, an oil company executive played by David Arquette. These two guys find themselves on opposing sides during the construction of the contentious pipeline. And as the story unfolds, Daniel and Eddie go down separate paths during one of the most heated protests and confrontations with Native American tribes in modern U.S. history. Josh Tickell, one of the directors, was actually at Standing Rock, and he brings that personal experience to the film. It almost at times feels like a documentary. I'm so excited for you guys to hear my conversation with Rebecca, Josh, and William. They tell us all about this tremendous film. Now, Rebecca and Josh, um, you guys have, you know, have done documentaries on environmental causes with Kiss the Ground and the Earthing movie, right? Uh, But this, you know, you decide to take on a feature on an environmental cause, an environmental drama, What made you guys decide, let's take a look at Standing Rock back in 2016 and let's go with a drama, not a doc? You know, we've made, we've made 15 documentaries at that point. And we thought, oh, surely making a feature film is easier than making a documentary. (laughs) (laughs) And then they cast me. out those are like famous last words obviously you know we've made environmental documentaries for a while now and whenever you find environmental injustice it seems that you find indigenous injustice and um you know one thing led to another and we've been working with some tribal leaders and elders um who are lakota and that was back in 2013 and we had learned of the prophecy of the black snake This was before the Dakota Access Pipeline. So we learned of this sacred prophecy, which is that there would be a black snake that would come. This is Lakota prophecy. It would cross the land. And when that happened, great chaos would occur. Then we heard from these same elders, guess what? They're building the Dakota Access Pipeline and we think that it's the black snake. So when the Standing Rock protest erupted, we ended up participating in that and we just felt the calling like this was the film that we had to make and that we we knew that feature films have the ability to reach a far broader audience than a documentary and we felt like this was so important um that we wanted this to be the subject of our first scripted film but you know we also wanted to do it with reverence and with respect and it's been it's been a journey (laughs) okay well william you're laughing so as as they say that uh as rebecca says that it was a journey so tell me about this journey and how you uh, got involved with the film 
Well, uh, she said it's been a journey, and I thought thereby hangs a tale. It, uh, you know, they say movies made three times. It's written, it's shot, it's edited, and and uh, they have had their own journey in post production. That uh, most of which uh, I have not yet um, gotten the lowdown of. They've spared me, I know, but it was not easy. So I was kind of laughing at her understatement there. But the other thing, William, is we also knew before we even knew what the film was that we wanted you to star in it. That's that was true. clear to us from. Oh. Uh, after we met you, after we saw you in Another Earth, we were so blown away by you, not just your performance in, in Another Earth, but just you as a human being that we knew when the time came that we wanted you to be our partner in that. And we're so grateful that that's the choice that we made because you really just showed up in such an incredible way on this film. This, you know, so much more than just an inc the incredible actor that you are in the film and your performance that you give is so real so touching but just who you were for us as our partner every step of the way has just it's been such a we were right <laughs> <laughs> i love it because the long thing and then she comes right back to the nub of the answer um well uh thank you very much and i feel more blessed and fortunate than i can say to have been asked invited to to join you on on this journey it's been nothing but a blessing at times it didn't always feel that way for any of us, uh, multiple times, I'm sure for you all, but uh, I, I never lost sight of, of what we were trying to do and what we were hoping to do. And uh, I'm so glad. So I'm very, very grateful to you both. Thank you. Rebecca, you call it a journey. And the fact that you started thinking about this back in 2013 <clears throat> and we're now 10 years later, and this is about to premiere, tell me a little bit about the struggles Obviously, getting an environmental drama uh, off the ground, getting financing, getting distribution, all those things couldn't have been easy. Tell me a little bit about that, that journey. You want me to tell us? How much time do you have to so <laughs> Every film's a miracle, right? Every film's a miracle. That's, that's one thing that uh, you learn real quick in, in filmmaking. Uh, and Rebecca and I, we run a studio, it's called Big Picture Ranch. We do soup to nuts. So we do everything from the idea to the conceptualization, to the pre-production, production, post-production. Post and, you know, thank God Shout Factory is our distributor on this. They are awesome and bold and great. What a great distributor, but often we do all the distribution ourselves. So it's, you know, and the marketing and so on and so forth. As you said, it took 10 years with this particular film. Thus, when Standing Rock happened and we were involved in that, you know, protest being there in that location, it's a life, it was a life changing event for everybody who went. And, and it's the kind of thing that will never happen again in that way. I mean, every major indigenous tribe uh, in North America, all of the nations were represented and all of the major indigenous tribes from around the world participated. And then you had this influx of US war veterans. And then you had this pipeline and this huge conflict, a physical, physical conflict with people fighting and ammunition and dogs and armor. And, you know, it, it, you couldn't write that. It's stranger than fiction. And, and yet the experience of being there wasn't the experience of uh, being, there were moments that felt like war. There were moments where the front lines were actually like front lines. There were bullets, you know, flying. 
most of the time they were rubber, but there were actual grenades too. And people lost limbs. I mean, people were, were more, you know, physically very, 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 people were very wounded. Uh, so it was an extremely serious situation, very low temperatures, a massive amount of trauma, you know, both on the indigenous side, hundreds of years of trauma from colonization, from theft of lands, from, you know, from murders and all this horrible conflict that's occurred to these, these wonderful people. And then on the other side, you had veterans, U.S. war veterans who'd come from Iraq and Afghanistan and the front lines of, of actual war. And these two groups came together to, for the first time ever in history, on one side, and they said, well, <laughs> it's a bad idea to put this pipeline here. We should not do this. this there should be a different plan. Um, and yet the pipeline happened. So it was, it was a perfect storm in some ways to reveal all these unearthed questions, to reveal centuries of you know, uh, belated uh, apologies and centuries of, of broken promises and treaties. And it all came together in this very short period of time. And it happened to be Thanksgiving. And it happened to be ice storms. And it happened to be a casino. And so, you know, you couldn't pile more stuff into one sequence of events and say, do you think this might make an interesting story? Like, would this make a movie? You know, like, it's like aliens invaded. And it was the fourth, you know, it was like that. And experiencing it firsthand, even though there were moments of war, the greater feeling, the greater, and I think, I, I think this goes for everyone because we're still in touch with the vast community of Lakota, Nakota, Dakota, Cree. I mean, all these incredible indigenous people, the vast feeling was one of reverence and one of being involved in something that was so much greater than the humans that were there, that was truly on sacred ground. It was truly, we were truly on sacred ground. This was sacred tribal burial ground, sacred ground. And, and so coming off that experience, it's like, what just happened? You know, and, and everyone I think who experienced that is, is wondering that many years later, what happened? Did, was, did that really occur? Were we really there? Did this thing re And so, as Rebecca said, we loved William from the moment we met him. We loved him on screen, we loved him in person. And we were like, you are gonna be able to carry the incredible, dramatic weight of this epic story that we are both crazy and naive enough to think that we can <laughs> with this infinitesimally small budget and this crazy crew in the dead of winter, and and uh, you're our guy, and he was like, "Sign me!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a pitch like Josh just gave us, if you don't succumb, check out yourself for a heartbeat. I mean, who wouldn't for that? For all those, uh, for all those reasons, yeah. And then we just proceeded to torture you. Yeah, <laughs> you and yeah. Yeah. You in yeah. ice cold water. Oh my gosh. I didn't even realize that the two of you were there. So you experienced it with your own eyes, your hands, you were there. And then, so I'm sure you sold all this to William. William, what made, what was the one thing that made you say yes? I'm going to wriggle out of that and tell you three things. One is 
the character. The other is the issue and, and the topic. And the third was Josh and Rebecca. I'm glad that we weren't first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saved the best for last. I was like, yeah. I wow. thought, I wonder if they're like, oh, going to mention us. Yes. No, no, no. It was, it was those three and not, ne- I should have added not necessarily in That's, that order. It's okay. It's okay. It's great that the character, <clears throat> it, it's great that you chose it because of the character. Yeah. And also, yeah. I mean, it was also a journey as we were, we're like, is this true? Did the United States Supreme Court really uphold that the Constitution backs of these treaties proved yeah. it was owned by the Lakota people? And that's like the majority of two states. Like it was kind of as we were on this journey together, the deeper we went into the story, the more unbelievable the injustice became. I think, you know, and it made us even more compelled to make the film worthy of what we were realizing as we were creating the story. The film is based on a true story. And William, your character, Dan, is a journalist, a struggling journalist, and he's a a vet. You know, he's a military veteran and he has some PTSD issues. He's a very layered character. Can you guys tell me, and William, you can start how much like real actual story did you bring into the character whether it was talking to josh rebecca or doing your own research versus how much did you kind of want to bring your own take into your character it was it was both it uh i did not have any personal experience at standing rock um i don't have psd i'm not a veteran so as actors have to do with a lot of roles you have to find a way to bridge that but as I educated myself more and more about the issues, uh, about the event, about the history. Uh, I began to experience some of what Dan would come to experience during the film, some some opinion shifting, some eye opening. And so there was, as there always is, some external elements, some truth, some fiction, some personal, some objective. Uh, I will say there was one aspect that uh, I had to do no research on and uh, was uncomfortably close uh, to my to my own experience. And that is uh, my own wife was pregnant with our first child during the filming. <laughs> so that, that part I did not have to invent. And and just to add to that, not to add to the pregnancy, just to add to the... Uh, and she uh, was in the third trimester. It was uncomfortably close. Yeah. And and what a rock star, um, you know. Bernice. Bernice, your wife was to come out and be with us in that cold environment. And, oh, thank and, you. and your family was just, you know, you your family came to bat for you and for this film, as did you. But one interesting thing about William's character, Dan, is the character is based on two or three people. It's an amalgam of two or three actual people uh, who, you know, who we came to know through the Standing Rock uh, protest and through the process and, and got to know really intimately. And, and the scenes, however, that he participates in and that you see in the film, many of those scenes are word for word, what was actually said, or they're adapted extremely closely. Um, but the whole of the experiences that occur in the film are things that actually happened that we either witnessed or we had audio transcripts of. Sometimes we have the, our own transcripts of the camera audio. So down to some of the most intimate, powerful moments of the film. And Dan's character played by William is, he just does an exceptional job. And I know we're, 
sung your praises, but I think when people see On Sacred Ground and they see the movie, they'll, there is, there are moments of thinking in your own mind, like, is this a doc? Like, am I watching a documentary or is this real? You, 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 you can't, you can't, the, the, the suspension of disbelief is so high at some points in the film that you're not sure if the film is, is an actual documentary. And, and that's a testament to William's work as an actor. Incredible. Well, into their, thank you, but into their filmmaking and the incorporation of, of, of their experience of various media of, of what they recorded. And, you know, that's what I think what makes uh, fictionalized versions of real events brings them their power, right? Is at times the audience forgets actually that it's a fiction. The pressure to get this right was really high. I think we all wanted to make sure. And, you know, part of how we came to this script was also many conversations with tribal leaders and um, water protectors and making sure that the perspective and the angle that we were telling the, the story through was the accurate, the correct one. And so, you know, here we have a war vet journalist with PTSD who's got a pregnant wife who's broke who's going to Standing Rock to cover it from the oil company perspective you know and about his journeys like that's that's not only an interesting story that I'd be interested in watching you know but also it's one that allows us to honor what happened with the most reverence so it was you know for us we realized that you know, how do you capture the magic of the transformation of what people experienced who went or of people who just came in contact with it in some way? And a scripted film was definitely the way to do that. And by the way, he went off um, when he got there with his camera, disappeared. He was like, I'm going out to the front lines. And then I didn't hear from him for three days. And then I was like checking the Morton County Jail to see if he'd been arrested. I was calling up people, trying to find him. So when he finally called his pregnant wife back on Thanksgiving afternoon, I answered the phone and I said, oh, you're alive. And then that line made it into the film. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Never live it down. Um, Never live it down. <laughs> but, you know, we shared that, you know, I was pregnant when we had our experience and then you, you know, were pregnant or Bernie say was pregnant and, uh, you know, life being born is kind of one of the themes of the film. You know, we're looking at the lack of integrity of our past and then how are we gonna create with this innocent new life, the future? What is, what is the way forward and how do we heal from all of that, that trauma? And I think each person on the film dealt with that in some way, like Carrie Noopy, who born in Pine Ridge, you know, she, for her, it was a, it was a cathartic experience. It was the same thing for Irene Bedard. And it was his Cree who has been an indigenous activist for so long and standing up for missing and murdered um, indigenous women, children, and men. Same thing for Che Jim, who actually was security, a water protector at Standing Rock. Um, so I think, you know, and then we filmed the scene where we were, we had the water cannon out in the freezing cold in the middle of the night. That scene was filmed one year to the day of when that actually happened at Standing Rock and people where we were out there in the freezing cold and people were having a real, you know, memory of that. And I think one of the, one of the things that's come back to us from indigenous people is that we actually don't show the extent of the violence that happened there. What I recall from watching the footage on the news was how cold it looked and how 
how painful it looked. Like it was abusive, right? That was kind of what caused the outrage. How did you go about wanting to bring that to life on camera while also being sensitive and not want, you know, not really um, making it too sensational? Yeah. Well, we filmed it in the dead of winter in the Midwest. Uh, so right there, uh, some people would call that abusive <laughs> to any to any captain <laughs> film crew. And there were, I mean, there are scenes where William's character, Dan, uh, and Carrie's character, Mika, uh, toward the end of the film, there's a beautiful exchange where they're coming back together after all this conflict. And they're giving one another something. I won't tell everybody what they give each other. But I remember, William, I remember your hands were so cold that they were literally blue. And so were Carrie's. We had to color correct your hands <laughs> just to make them look cold, not to make them look like frigidly blue. Um, so it was, it was harsh. We wanted to depict the harshness. We wanted to depict it in an emotional way. We didn't have the budget to do kind of the big sensational conflict fight type stuff. It wasn't a Steven Seagal shoot him up film, you know? We wanted this to be an emotional journey and for the audience to be able to connect with the characters and to connect with the, the trauma and the violence and the healing and the catharsis emotionally without being like, oh yeah, this is, there's explosions and you know bombs and grenades. It's just like, let's just go on a powerful human journey, you know? I actually felt like you did a really nice job with the David Arquette character, the, you know, who plays the, I mean, he's the oil executive because in so many kind of impact films, it, that kind of character is very two dimensional and doesn't have that extra layer. And some of those scenes with you, William, I felt like you didn't really know, should I hate this guy? Should I, you know, I kind of, you know, I kind of get what he, where he's coming from. Can you guys tell me a little bit about writing David's character and not wanting, you know, how did you want to make him come across? Thank you uh, for mentioning that, Steve. It, I think the depiction of the creation of, and the portrayal of David's character is representative of what we were hoping to do with, with the film in general, and that is to avoid skewing too hard to one side to try to present some of the complexities of this issue and of the people involved. Uh, and I think one of the goals, there were at least a couple goals, a couple of reasons, I'll speak for myself, that I thought that was important. One is that it is a complex issue. Now, there's certain things that are, that are objective fact, but we can't turn off the spigot today, in, in my opinion, as Dan says, and we need to find a way to to address that and be realistic about it. Another is that in presenting some of the complexities, there was, and again, I'll speak for myself, a hope that we might find a slightly wider audience than we might otherwise. That people who otherwise would, th would think, I don't wanna watch a lecture from the other side of the aisle, uh, might find themselves surprised, might find themselves um, a little bit more open to some things they discover. And the people from the same side of the aisle might see someone from the opposite side, Dan's character, who is conservative, who has his mind sufficiently open to allow his opinions to be shaped, uh, sh shifted a little bit, to have his eyes to be opened. And, you know, the other side lays down arms and then we are inclined to do the same. So at least to me, 
presenting that ambiguity, some of the complexities, uh, some of the ironies and contradictions, at least serve those two goals. And doing that with uh, David Arquette's character and with Dan and with some of the aspect of overall, at least for me, I, I hope that that might serve those two goals plus others. What, what do you guys think? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, look, you were instrumental in writing some of those scenes. I remember going through line by line before, during, even on the day of filming. I apologize for that. <laughs> well, I think, it, it, you know, it's part of what makes the movie it, great. It forged like like steel in a fire. You know, it forged a really believable relationship between your character and David's character. I mean, the, there are some, you know, it's not a buddy movie, you know, it's not a bromance. These are two people who have never met each other coming together to have to navigate a very difficult situation. Yet there is intimacy inside the conversation. They're sharing little things about one another. You know, when 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 William's character, when you as when you as Dan, you go, you know, what was that back there in the hangar? i.e. where we saw the weapons, you know, you, there's this scene where, where Dan's like, whoa, what, what's going on here, you know, and then they're, they're sitting outside the hotel, and he's like, what happened back there, who are you, what's going on, you know, Elliot, David Arquette's character kind of reveals, well, you know, look, you and I are a lot alike, I served too, and he, and he says, you know, I, I was in Iraq, and, and I did some other things in some other places, and so he's he's giving these little intimate hints to William's character, which is shorthand for saying like, yeah, I might have been part of some black ops stuff. I might have been, you know, I'm on the secret side of things. You know, like little things that they say to each other that if you're not paying attention, they go by real quick. But if you do pay attention, you're like, whoa, these two have a whole world of uh, relationship and and information that they're exchanging, which makes Dan's job even more complicated because he's not just with an oil exec. He's with a former vet, you know, a brother in arms who's also served. And so he's got to make some real hard moral choices in the film. And I mean, I think the other thing too is I remember from day one, we were like, you know, the bad guy never thinks of himself as the bad guy. You know, we were really clear from the beginning that, yes, we want this film to show the different perspectives and we want them all to, we want it to be from a place of like, okay, this is, these are valid perspectives. And, you know, the deep irony, like in this, there's this one scene at the end where Dan is looking as he's filling up his car on gas and he's just been to Standing Rock and he's had all of these profound realizations. And I think, um, I mean, that's all of us. Once you get some awareness and then you look back at your life and then you realize that this new awareness doesn't fit with what you're seeing. And all of us run our lives on oil. I mean, even as we were making the film, how did the grip trucks get there? How did the, how did you get to set? How did we get to set each day? All of us, this is, you know, Dan's character and Elliot's character, you know, we could, they're like voices in all of our heads. You know, there's our consciousness, there's the seeker you know, who's a bit scarred. And then there's the part of us that's like, you know, this is the way the world doesn't run on fairy dust, you know, like you're driving your car in oil right now today. So how, 
how can you be righteous and claim that it needs to be some other way when you're participating in the existing structure? And I think that these are some of the questions that the film brings up, which is our personal responsibility in this structure and how this structure was created. And then an awareness of who is really affected the most by this structure. And I think once you see that, you can't unsee it. You know, and that was what we hoped with, with this film is that people would see it, they couldn't unsee it. And they would then start thinking about their lives in a new way and potentially take some different actions. William, I want to ask you, uh, you know, you've done so much Lost and people know you from a million uh, projects and TV shows and everything. What was the biggest challenge for you in On Sacred Ground? In the writing aspect, it was trying to find a balance and Josh and Becker are going to try not to laugh and bury their face in their hands when I say this. Try and find a balance between telling what we felt was important and what needed to be said and what we wanted to say of the issues, of the event, of the history, and balance all that with the, the constraints of, of, of a single movie. And it was, it was not easy, put it that way. I mean, uh, we all had very deep feelings and uh, on this issue on all these different aspects and would like to have said more. So that was one. As an actor, it was uh, a little, I found it also a bit challenging for me. Uh, one aspect, particularly of Dan's character, and that is um, that Dan went in somewhat as an investigator, but also as an observer to observe and record. And it's a little, it, it can be challenging for an actor to play a character who uh, isn't necessarily driving towards something or something he's not aware of. And to try and make that active, interesting, uh, real, uh, for me was, uh, a little bit of a challenge because we all go through through our own day active. Oh, I got to do these errands. So I have to take care of this. I have to do that. And he had to tell the story. He had to refine the story. But moment to moment, uh, he was a little bit not unlike Dorothy and Oz. And uh, that that was a very specific, small actorly challenge for me. For Rebecca and uh, Josh, I want to ask you, as making a, a very somewhat challenging transition from docs to, to features now, what kind of pressure did you feel? And now kind of having a feature under your belt, how does it feel? You know, look, there, there was, there was the equal expectation that we would flame out and fail epically miserably. And there's still time. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> as, as, as the expectation that, oh my gosh, you know, these people, they may kiss the ground. Oh, all these environmental films that are important. This has got to be a, this has got to be a true, you know, piece of cinema, you know? Uh, and so, <laughs> and so I think we'd wake up each day thinking okay we're gonna we're gonna crush it and by the end of the day making the film it was like this is gonna be the most epic disaster flame out train wreck i can't believe we got all these people here in the middle of winter and you're spending all this money oh my how are you gonna cut this thing together even in post-production 
because there was so little footage. There were so few takes, so many problems, technical, you know, you're freezing, everything's not working, the camera is everything. So, you know, even up to the very end of post-production, people are like, there is no way that movie is going to succeed. Uh, and then one day we walked into the editing room and the editor goes, okay, just, just watch, just like, let's just watch it. And it was like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's an amazing film. Like that's, I mean, it's different than what we scripted. It's certainly different than what we shot, but it matches everything that we wanted to do. And we were so proud of it and just so blown away that it had come together. And we're excited for audiences to see it. Will we make another feature scripted narrative film? Who knows? Um, we don't have plans. We've got, dog, you know, we've got, there's <laughs> yeah. definitely, there's interest in it. There's interest in us doing that. And uh, we've definitely got some other docs coming. But I tell you what, it was a freaking beautiful experience. And we worked with an amazing community of people, the Standing Rock community that was there before Standing Rock, that was there during Standing Rock and has since been a you know, huge part of our lives is, is a beautiful community of people. The, the indigenous people, the, the veterans and the people who are activists, all of them, just beautiful, the, the contribution that they've made. So it's an honor to have done this, honor to have worked with William on this and the other great, great artists and actors. And look, we hope audiences get a lot out of it. As they've said, as you've said, Steve, their first scripted narrative on a tight budget with <laughs> a story and subject matter that are not necessarily conducive to the first two conditions there that I just laid out. And they did it. They made that decision with courage and because of their passion and they wanted the story to be told and they crushed it. They just crushed it. And I'm so blessed that you guys, you guys invited me along for the journey. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to get emotional now. Well, I think oh, the most boy. exciting thing is that already with the with the people who've seen the film, you know, we've had our cast come out to some screenings and it is just amazing what opens up in those conversations after the film. People really are touched the way we hoped that they would be. And it has been so inspiring to witness our Indigenous cast really take ownership of the film and to start using the film as an educational tool around the issues that they're so, you know, they're life or death for them, yeah. for, 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 the, for people. And so, you know, I just, um, I'm, I think everybody who participated in this film was very courageous. I really do. And it, and it, and it was something that we all came together. We didn't just come together to make a movie. We came together because we couldn't not, because we were so moved by the topic and by what happened at Standing Rock that we, you know, came together for this sort of experiment. And thankfully, you know, I think the essence of what we want to convey, I think it, I think it does come through and I'm excited for the world to see it. And hey, we still might crash and burn, but. <laughs> well, I will have <laughs> two last little things. One is that the film is being shown uh, throughout uh, sovereign tribal uh, treaty land. So it's being shown at Standing Rock. It's being shown across the Lakota nation. Uh, various people who were either in the film or were involved in Standing Rock are taking it to community centers and theaters and will be showing and doing Q and A's. And we've also got a grant to show the film in schools for free. So usually schools wow. have to pay. Right now it's free. Uh, any school can <laughs> register 
college, university, or school can show the film. So it's already, I think, a thousand. I think we have a thousand that have registered, and the number is going up. So it's really um, there to be used, at least during this time, as an educational tool and a community building tool. And I know that it's going to be in theaters and on demand on January 13th. Anything else you want people out there to know in order to, to find On Sacred Ground? Go to onsacredgroundmovie.com and you can see where it's playing. It's nationwide. And you can also go to Get Involved, the Get Involved page. And there's incredible on the ground organizations that um, have come to us through Standing Rock Elders, through um, our cast. And you know, it, people can get involved and make a difference. And I think that once you see the film, you're gonna be inspired to do so. All right, Josh and Rebecca Tickell, William Maypother, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. And that's going to do it for another episode of No Script, No Problem on Believe, the number one podcast network for professionals. Before I go, I want to recommend everybody check out The Menu on HBO and HBO Max. This movie is hilarious. Uh, Amy Carrero, I worked with her on a little sizzle reel a few years ago. Incredible talent. And I think she's got a huge future. Um, She is a delight in this movie um all right that's all i got for you for everybody out there listening please remember subscribe download and rate the show with five stars it is available on apple podcast spotify google podcast stitcher audible and TuneIn. you can also find it at believe.com and at believe podcast follow me on twitter and post news at steve berkowitz and on instagram at steve m berkowitz if you have an email, shoot them on over to me. No script, no problem podcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.